You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode. And this week I am joined once again by Donny Yankelo. Hello Donny. Hello. Hello. Right, well, this week, um, we've got quite a lot of stories this week, um, not all of them add up to very much, I must admit. There's a lot of rumbling still about the Bloomberg story. Um, so I think we'll just pitch in, shall we? Let's just pitch in at the top and uh, see where we go. So um, I'll start off, of course. Um, I didn't mention it last week. I should have done, really. But of course, Apple donated a uh, million dollars uh, to the tsunami relief in Indonesia. And uh, this week... They are um, going to donate to the Hurricane Michael relief efforts. Uh, and by the way, uh, so are Google. Google are chucking in a million dollars as well. So uh, that's good. That's good news, um, especially if you're affected by any of those, I'm sure. Uh, Unfortunately, they've been donating a lot this year. Uh, yes, there's been a lot. And uh, this week um, as well, uh, Hurricane Michael wasn't the only one. Um, a storm has battered uh, Portugal, uh, causing loss of life and, you know, ripping up trees and bringing down power lines and so on. Um, Wales and the west of uh, the UK have been battered by um, a storm, which has led to uh, three deaths in Wales, I believe, uh, sadly. Uh, so, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not been a great year, has it, this year for... Um, Hurricanes, or it's a great year if you are a hurricane, maybe. I don't know. Uh, there we go. Uh, there. Uh, well, what's the first real big story? Uh, I think the first story, Donnie, is the Mac shipments fell 11% in Q3 um, as customers await updates to an ageing lineup, according to IDC. Um, and this was on 9to5Mac. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think I probably agree with this, to be honest. Um, I mean, it happens every time there's a new iPhone expected. and um... Well, yeah, th there is that. But I mean, for, for quite a long time now, pretty much every quarter for, I don't know, several years, you know, the, the industry reports have always been, you know, the PC market is stagnant or, or declining and, and Macs are still uh, growing. But this quarter, um, apparently the PC market has had a bit of an upturn. Uh, but uh, Apple has had a downturn of 11.6% uh, year on year. Uh, well, I, I, I think they're right about this, really. I really do think that the main, uh, the main cause is the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of the Mac range is, you know, uh, quite old. Um, I mean, the, the iMac... Um, I think that was last update. I mean, I hadn't been updated for ages, about two and a half years. And when they released the 2017 one, which is when I, I got my boss to, to buy one. But I mean, that's not been updated since. Um, the iMac Pro is what, a nearly a year old. Um, that's had no updates. 
And, uh, well, you know, we don't even want to talk about the Mini, do we? I mean, that's... Um, <laughs> uh, and then we're, we're still waiting for a Pro. Um, the Air, I mean, the MacBook Airs are hanging in there, but, I mean, they're, they're effectively really old. Um, I know the, you know, the MacBook Pros got updated, uh, or at least the Touch Bar ones did, but um, the MacBook hasn't had an update. The MacBook Airs haven't had an update. And I, I think the problem with the MacBook Pros is the is the price. You know, they're not, well, not even, you know, I was going to say, I mean, no Apple machines tend to be cheap, but even by Apple standard, the Touch Bar, you know, MacBooks right. are awfully expensive. And the, um, and the plain MacBook, just the, the MacBook doesn't have enough uh, ports for a lot of people. No, so it's, it's, it's a... There's no, there's no like new cheap option. Yeah, well, there's no, yeah, there's no kind of, um, there's, there's no, there's nothing below the MacBook Pro, which, you know, is premium priced. And fair enough, I can accept that. But the MacBook is, to my mind, pretty expensive for what it is. Right. There's nothing iBook like, let's put it that way. Yeah. When the iBook was around. When, you know, um, compared to the competition, because if you're going to well, go. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if this turns around, if there's the supposed rumored October event. Well, yes. New Macs coming. So that it'll is... be interesting to see if this is like pent up demand and all of a sudden they start selling Macs like crazy or if it if the number continues. I, I think there is a lot of pent up demand. I think so, too. I'm waiting. I want a new computer. I need a Mac, iMac 2011, yeah. which, which uh, says a lot for the iMac itself in the fact that I'm still using a 2011 computer seven years later and I can do almost everything I need to do so that says a lot for us oh Macs yeah themselves, you but. know there's a, there's a lot to be said for that i mean max do have an incredibly long life i mean mine is a as i say of mine is a 2012 macbook pro um yeah last year i got a 2017 um imac 27 inch at work but before that i was on a 2011 machine and even that has not been retired it's gone down to the you know the studio junior um which jumped him up from something that was like, you know, 2006 or something. So, you know, they have an incredibly long working life, um, which is good. Uh, but at the minute, I just think the, the you know, what you'd call the, the you know, the sort of sub $1,200 range, you go and look at them and think, well, these, these machines are three, four years old. You know, they just don't stack up against... The sort of things, you know, like the, was it, is it, is it HP, you do the Spectre? Um, and then and, and the, the Dell, is it Dell? XPS 13. I mean, there are some, and I'm not, these are not, you know, I'm not talking about super cheapos here. I mean, they're in the sort of thousand dollar bracket, those machines. So they are, you know, they are pitched as MacBook, MacBook Pro competitors. Um, you know, and they've got machines with new processors and, you know, better better gp uh you know gpus and all the rest so i i think there is a lot of pent-up demand and if we get an apple event and see some you know decent um macs i mean be it the macbook uh the macbook at the minute is a strange model in that it's it's not really a budget model it's right you get less for more yeah which of course was you know when the air first launched i mean the first edition of the air was a premium machine uh cost a lot of money and relatively speaking was pretty underpowered um and but it was a premium machine because it was thin and light and then over time the air kind of became the uh the budget the budget uh macbook so 
you know, I don't know. But I. But I, the Mac, the the current MacBook doesn't. They it just seems to be sitting there. They didn't. They haven't done much with it to move it forward or make no, it the budget machine. Or it's not exactly. Whatever. It's not been. It's not been. Um, it hasn't updated. found a spot really. It hasn't been updated and then pitched as a budget machine. It hasn't been specked up and uh, you know. And I'm pretty sure the airs are only hanging on in there to provide a sub one thousand dollar start point. Um, and lovely machines though they were. Who really wants to be buying a machine that's effectively four years old when you take it out of the box? It's just there we are. There we go. That's, so hopefully, of course. So then that that does of course segue us quite nicely, as you mentioned, into the uh, will there or will there not be an October event? Time is running out, Donnie. Really. Um. I mean, they normally they normally send out invitations what a week before something like that. About a week, I think, and we're on the fourteenth now. So basically, before the next show, I would say um, there should be an invitation. You should be getting your invitation. Oh yeah, damn, it's lost in the post, I reckon. Um, <laughs> uh, by well, if they don't come out before, well, I don't know what next would be. The twenty first. No, we could, they could go later than that if they were going to pitch. Some people are saying, I've seen some people saying that they could go for the, you know, the 30th of October because... Right, somewhere saying they don't think they're going to have an event when the um, XR, around the time the XR yeah. is supposed to come out. That is, that is the thing because often, I mean, normally the October event will fall around, you know, sort of now, the sort of 15th, 16th through to about the 25th. But yes, I've seen speculation that if they're having one, they might push it back to the end of the month um, so as to not... Although you would think, I mean, if they did it before the XR, it's another chance, not that they need it, but another chance to push the XR. Yeah. As like a brief mention. Oh, by the way... Yeah, don't forget. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're they're pretty much too late for that now. Um, I mean, they've got to be pitching for the... If there's going to be one, I reckon it's going to have to be between about the 20... What? And they usually only like to do Wednesdays, is it, they do? Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Tuesdays or Wednesdays. They don't. They don't like Thursdays and Fridays. That's for sure. Um. So hmm, who knows what we got? The thirtieth, and that would be sort of the twenty-third. Yeah. Okay. I, so I can't imagine they would wait with, with to release another a new iPad until March. Like put it off unless something's wrong with it. No, I can't. I can't see that. No, I'm with you. Um, I could see them releasing at a spec bumped iPad without bothering to have any right. sort of, um, but you know, the rumblings about around the iPads are that it's a, you know, it's a full blown refresh with, um, you know, a new body shell, um, possibly a magnetic connector, uh, and, and a whole load of things like that. So I don't think I've ever known Apple to bring out a, a fully refreshed product without having a, you know, without have given it stage time. Personally. Right. And, if the article, if the rumors are right, like what this article says, a new Apple Pencil, and it's stuff they want to show off. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not just stuff they want to release in a press. Re- I could see like a Mac, the Macs getting a bump, even if it's a new Mac Mini, unless it's a totally new form factor. If it's just like a, yeah. a refreshed inside, that could be a press release. But the iPad, they want to talk about. But you, I would, if I, I would say, for, for what my humble opinion is worth, that if I was Apple. And I finally decided that, yeah, we better do something about the mini. I think I would want to trumpet it and to sort of, you know, go hell for leather as well. Not just update it as a budget box, but I don't know, do something swish with it and come out and go, you know, for those of you who 
you know are on a budget or you know don't need an all don't want an all in one or whatever i don't know and just pitch the hell out of it but who knows apple do odd things don't they um and and talking then all right that leads us nicely on to the ipad pro um nine to five mac uh had a piece uh talking about uh ipad pro face id details 4k hdr video over usb-c airpod like apple pencil 2 pairing and more uh update also a12x processor um According to them, Apple is widely expected to hold an event this month. Um, much has been confirmed by evidence within the iOS 12.1 beta, uh, which apparently includes references to an iPad 2018 fall device. Uh, today's sources familiar with the development have offered additional details. Um, and then they're talking here about, uh, you know, the code numbers. Uh, we'll have an Apple A12X processor. Um, it will have an edge-to-edge display and will not feature a home button, allegedly. Um, unlike the iPhone, the iPad Pro will not have a notch. Uh, although it will sport thinner bezels, the bezels will still be wide enough to accommodate a true-depth camera for Face ID. Well, that's not really surprising, is it? Because, I mean, I mean, if you look at the notch on an iPhone, it's, what, three, four mil tops? Um, the the bezels on a on an iPad Pro, I'm... Even if you went almost edge to edge, I would say it wouldn't be difficult to put a four mil edge on it, would it? Um, there we go. Face ID apparently will work in landscape, but not upside down. <laughs> um, it is not clear if the new landscape support will require a special hardware feature or if it can be made available to iPhones with a software update. Um, apparently, allegedly, it will have USB-C um, and will be able to output 4K video to external displays. Um, there will be a new Apple Pencil and there will be a new magnetic connector. Uh, now, obviously, 9to5Mac are touting that as uh, as good as, you know, done deal. Um, I would I would um, attach a allegedly to all of that, of course. Um, here we go. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that does not sound like a spec bump, does it? That is not a that is not a kind of press release. We've updated the iPad Pro. That sounds very much like the sort of things that Tim Cook is going to want to brandish from the stage. Um, but what's interesting is they get all these detailed reports on the iPad, but we haven't seen much about. We've seen rumors of new Macs, but no details. No, if you think of it. But then again, a lot of that stuff they get, as they said there, they dig it. You know, they have people like Trout and Smith and and um, people like that who who dig that kind of information out of the code in the. Right. Um. You know, they they dig right deep down into the guts of you know iOS and find um. I don't know, they might find also, you know, they find things like references to, to screen dimensions and, and things like that. And, and then, um, you know, they can they can draw um, implications from that. But the Mac doesn't, you know, the Mac OS isn't quite like that, is it? It's That's true. You know, Although people have found things in iTunes sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah, you can find, you know, people do find things. Um, there we are. Uh, this one, uh, also from 9to5Mac, uh, 9to5Mac seem to have a lot of stories this week. Um, TSMC uh, are to exclusively manufacture the Apple A13 chip for next year's iPhone and iPad models. Um, this isn't a huge story, to be honest. Um, it's it's the sort of thing that you or I could have predicted, to be honest, um, Donnie. 
Uh, it's really confirmation of pretty much what everybody expected. I mean, the um, uh, TSMC have been making the A series chips for sev- for Apple for several years. Um, I think it would have been a much bigger story if it was TSMC not to manufacture the A13. Um, so really, it's just a kind of confirmation of what everybody pretty much guessed. Um, so there we are. Uh, but that just uh, confirms what I think most people probably already knew. In, it, it's still interesting in the fact that, uh, you know, Apple uh, trusting one supplier to keep them in, in chips, although uh, TSMC are... They're not some uh, Mickey Mouse outfit, are they? I think they, I think they make something like fifty percent of the. Uh, yeah, TSMC make up fifty percent, fifty six percent of the global foundry market in the first half of twenty eighteen. Um, so there we go. Next year, analysts predict that the TSMC share of the market will rise even further. Um, there are no details in the story on what the A13 will offer. Well, I don't really care. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It'll be faster and more swish right. and have more bin. Probably smaller or something. Or... And then, you know, it'll have uh, about the only thing that they said in the um, in that article, actually, is that the A13 will almost certainly also be a seven nanometer um, chip. Uh, and actually, of course, that's a that's. That's probably as good a reason as any that Apple keep uh, TSMC as their only supplier because I'm not sure anybody else is doing seven nanometer chips at the minute, um, and that's that's amazing actually because I can remember when people were talking about fifty nanometers being you know can we get below fifty nanometers? <laughs> now we're down in single figures. You can't get much smaller, boys. You're going to get down to one electron pipes soon, which of course is I suppose the uh, the perfect the perfect uh, you know the perfect uh chip if you have one electron pipelines there we are um what about pretty soon they won't even need a chip it'll just run on air (laughs) and just yeah magic magic (laughs) okay uh uncle tim uh apparently has visited the world's hottest startup uh during his trip trip to beijing um a chinese company um apparently worth valued at something like 85 million or something um oh no 75 billion or a billion not million billion um and they make uh apparently the success of tutio and tiktok a short form video apps uh i've no idea really i've never heard of those i think i might have heard of tiktok yeah i've heard of tiktok i think is is that sort of um are they sort of like vine are they a bit like vine was it's sort of you know i don't know I don't don't, yeah because actually that um because isn't it Snap? They've started have launched a short form video service, but not for you know like professionally created, not for um you know not not user generated content, but um yeah. it's a music video platform and social network. Oh, okay, hmm. okay. Well, apparently that's a big thing. It's apparently a very big thing, and a lot of people think they're going to make a lot of money. So there we go. Um, and Apple, uh, you know, CEO Tim Cook visited them. Uh, uh, apparently, Apple declined to comment. <laughs> um, uh, well, while we're talking about video streaming, of course, Donnie, what about the, the, this? Another rumor slash story this week was uh, was all about the video streaming, wasn't it? Um, Motley Fool have, um, I think, it was the first one I saw. It said Apple's upcoming video streaming service could possibly be free, um, and they were suggesting 
that Apple, um, you know, obviously Apple is working on a video streaming service, buying up content across genres, hand over the hand over fist over a year. Um, Tim Cook even acknowledged the service directly in August. Um, so we all, we all kind of pretty much, uh, you know, we're all pretty sure that they are doing well. I mean, we know because they've been commissioning series and so on, haven't they? I, I believe they're. Um, it's just very interesting that 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 it's going to be free or not well, tied to a Apple yeah. Music subscription or well, or the, yeah. allegedly be free. I don't want to say it's going to be free, but no. Um, most investors and analysts have expected Apple to make the most straightforward approach to monetization by offering the service at ten to fifteen dollars a month. Uh, the market price for over-the-top streaming services. Over the top. Oh, well, all right. Whatever you say. OTT. <laughs> That's a, $15 a month is OTT. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. However, in what would be a major plot twist. Oh, I see what you did there, Motley Fool. Apple might decide to give the service away for free. We didn't see that coming. Um, a paid service might come later. Um, rather, Apple's goal might be to promote the usage of its TV uh, and attempting to hook users on flagship content. OK, so they're, they're putting it forward as, um, you know, a possibility. Um, however, they do reference in their article the uh, CNBC article who uh, pre present it as a fait accompli, to be honest, um, which seems a little bit uh, OTT itself to... Um, Apple plans to give away original content for free to device owners as part of a new digital TV strategy, according to them. Um, I think they might, you know, uh, well, if they do give it away free, you know, whoop-de-doo. Fabulous. Um, uh, I suppose I, they would sell full seasons in iTunes. Like maybe they would limit run, they could limit runs of episodes and then say, go buy them in iTunes if you want to hmm. the full season or see it again or something like that. Uh, what's it say here? Apple has long struggled to reach deals with large media companies which have been hesitant to hand over direct consumer relationships to the tech giant. The collapse of the music industry. Uh, <laughs> really? Really? I don't see too many poor music industry executives. Do you, Donnie? Um, my heart breaks for them. Um, I think it's still the music industry still around. This last time I checked. Yeah, exactly. Um, what they mean is, what they mean by that is, the music industry executives are crying because they don't get to keep, keep all of the money for themselves anymore. Um, who knows? Well, they've got a, a quite a long piece here, um, but they're saying Apple are going to give away a billion, you know, a billion dollars worth of content. Um, I think that's very much a case of we'll have to see what happens. Oh, it would be good, or they could. They could go down the Apple Music route, couldn't they? They could be doing the Apple Music route where they pretty much said, you know, you can have it for free for three months or six months or something to, to start with. And then once you've, they've got everybody watching it and hooked on whatever series they've got, um, then say, right, well, your six months is up. Now we're going to charge you X amount a month. Um, or it could follow a similar way of, okay, you can subscribe and get all you can eat or you can buy the series you want. And pay you know yep. $2 an episode. Yeah, yeah. They could they could also do that, couldn't they? That is true. They could run it on an iTunes type uh mode where you can subscribe Apple Music style or you can just purchase the tracks for yourself. Um so that's one to watch, I think. Um and well, here's another um theory. Right. If uh, let's let's assume these shows are are amazing and you know must watch like some of the other Netflix produced shows or Amazon shows that people talk about. Um it could sell more Apple TVs if it was free. 
which I'm sure they wouldn't complain about. I'm sure they wouldn't. I'm sure they wouldn't. But um, I, the implication, um, both in CNBC and um, the Motley Fool article, seems to be that they're pitching it very much towards, you know, I, iOS devices. So, um, but what, if they're going to give it away for free, they're simply going to be like, well, as long as you've got an Apple device, you can watch it, I suppose. Right. Um, that would be a good way. Again, would be a good way to lure people in, that's for sure. Because um, the story that goes with that, isn't it, is that is the fact that uh, it's been alleged that Apple want to take a rather Disney-esque um, approach to their content, um, ruling out, you know, uh, violence, profanity, right. sex. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm neither for or against that, to be honest. Um, I, I'm I not, just, I think Apple has a right to produce what they want to produce oh, exactly. either way. They can produce it however they like. And, uh, if it's their service, if they want to take the, you know, a more Disney, uh, if you will, uh, version, um, there's plenty of room. I mean, obviously Netflix and Amazon, some of their shows that have, um, become the, you know, the must, the must watch, um, series. Um, became so because they're a bit more edgy and people, you know, um, unlike the traditional studios, uh, Netflix and Amazon could afford to, you know, be a bit more out on the edge and have shows that, you know, were more graphically violent or adult or um, whatever. But, you know, those things don't necessarily make a show great, do they? You know, um, some... Some shows, I think, benefit from it. I mean, I think most people would say that the Game of Thrones, you know, um, well, I'm pretty sure it started out with quite a lot of nudity in it as a as a hook to get people's attention. Um, but it, it also had quite a lot of fairly gruesome violence. Um, but that's a fantastic series in and of its own right. And um, I, I just think storytelling and um, good quality production and so on you know, can make a fabulous show and it doesn't, I mean, let's face it, Doctor Who is a fabulous show in my opinion and that doesn't have, you know, violence, profanity or nudity of any type. So, you know, they're not, <laughs> some people are kind of putting it forward as if it's going to be like, um, you know, they're hobbling themselves by doing that. Um, and I'm not sure that that's true either. Um, I don't know. Again, it's a, a wait and see. Right. Time will tell. Time will tell. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if Apple have got plenty of money to throw at it and if they want to, um, as long as they can produce good quality content, people will consume it, you know, build it and they will come. Uh, this, that's just it, isn't it? If the content's any good, uh, people will watch it. And if it's not any good, it will fall flat on its face. Uh, there we are. Um, and uh, for the end of the Apple stories, uh, Donnie, We've got uh, a man. I think you put this one in the in the stories, didn't you? A uh, man wearing yeah. Apple Maps backpack surveying San Francisco on foot. So, uh, did you want to tell us about that one then? Uh, someone uh, took a picture of someone on the streets wearing a essentially a backpack with, um, I guess it's GPS mapping, whatever they use to map. Um, yeah, I can see Apple Maps kind of sticking out of the the backpack, kind of like a giant antenna or robot type thing. Yeah, I can see that. It's got like a load of cameras, and I guess that those um, angled things are probably the three three sixty degree um, record, you know, recorders. Right. Yeah, he's and got I a... assume they're using people on the streets to kind of get more accurate maps going, or or they're looking for um, street view type right info, or maybe like hidden little hidden alleyways or things people could walk on or yeah or like yes it could 
and stuff like that. It could be that they're looking for, um, you know, more pedestrian-based information. Um, I just found it interesting that it actually says Apple Maps, maps.apple.com on the back of the... Yes. The backpack, yes. like they're not being uh, secretive about it or... No, but then like, they're not particularly secretive about their little cars that they have going around either, are they? Right. they have, their cars have an Apple logo on them. So uh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Data actually, gathered on... If you think for... about it, it's pretty amazing he can carry something like that on his backpack now. Yeah. Um, it's shrunk like that small that you can just walk around the streets with a... Yep. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, when Google started doing it, you needed a car, didn't you? Because it had a thing on the top like a, you know... Like a whole giant rig. Yeah, a whole giant rig with... You know, the LiDAR and the 360-degree cameras and, and all that. Um, data gathered on foot will likely be used to improve pedestrian directions in major cities. Oh, well, okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, Apple has also deployed new Subaru Impreza mapping vehicles spotted with new LiDAR equipment earlier in the week, apparently. Well, there you go. Hmm. I have to say, you know, um, I'm not a huge user of Apple Maps, but... Um, Despite all the jokes that are still made at its expense, as far as I can tell, there's not really anything terribly wrong with Apple Maps. It's a, not, I use it. I use it daily. Not in, in my it. car with CarPlay. Yeah, um, it works for me. I know people complain about it, but yeah, well, it's uh, pretty accurate for me for what I need. Seems to be reasonably okay here in the UK. I know in the Slack room, um, Alistair pointed out um, a couple of uh, a couple of times where Apple had apparently um, marked uh, new highways as open when they're not actually due to open for another two years. Um, <laughs> apparently they were directing people to non-existent uh, multi-lane highways. Uh, but <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't remember if this was Apple Maps or Google Maps several years ago. might have been Google Maps, but um, we were in New Jersey trying to find a restaurant and we followed step by step, pulled up and said, you're at your destination and nothing was there. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Right, I'll tell you what, Donny, I'm going to refresh my cup of tea uh, while we go over to John in the hardware store. Okay. Uh, and John has a slew of products, I believe, he wants to talk about today. So uh, take it away, John. Nemo's hardware store is back with three innovative items. The first one is called the Cable Wrangler, C A B L E. W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R. Cable Wrangler Magnetic Cord Organizer. Cost is $20 in the U.S. The website is Silk Smartish. S-I-L-K-S-M-A-R-T-I-S-H. Because the company is called Silk. SilkSmartish.com. We will have the links for this product and the other ones that we are exploring today in our show notes for this episode. The cable wrangler comes in white or gray. It is a magnet. You set your cables on at the tips of the cables, like your iPhone lightning cable. And because it's magnetized, it keeps the cable in place. That's it. It's a very steady, sturdy, small, but hefty and massive cable magnet. It's attractive with a fabric cover. You can buy it with the excellent six-foot lightning cable, that adds $10, and it's a very nice cable. That takes up to $30 U.S., and if you want a really nice two-port wall charger, that takes it to $40 U.S. So have a look at the website, silksmartish.com, with the links in our show notes, and I'm using this right now to keep several of my cables in place. 
on top of my dresser because they were all over the place and it was causing some consternation with Mrs. Nemo, the curator of the hardware store style section. This is one of these items you think, I'm never going to use this thing. It's too heavy. It's too cumbersome. It's too expensive. Well, take it from me. It is great and you will be glad to have it. You'll be giving them out as gifts like crazy. Next comes a product available in black or white from our friends at RapidX. Website is RapidX, R-A-P-I-D-X dot I-O. We had the X5 car charger recently. Now we have the X4 home super compact four-port charger with Type-C fast charging for the home or office. Black or white, $40 U.S. Let's take it out of the box. comes with a very basic handout because you don't need to know much of anything. You plug it into the wall, have a nice long six-foot cable, three USB ports, regular flat basic USB ports, and one USB-C port for charging the newer generation of devices. It's not full-powered enough to charge your MacBook Pro, but it will charge other USB-C devices, of which we hear a rumor there will be plenty coming from Apple and other vendors very soon. That is it. There's also a bracket that comes with it to help you mount it. $40 to be able to charge two different categories of USB. The USB-C one port and the regular USB-A flat port times three. I like the white one we got. Quite attractive and stylish. That's the X4 multi-purpose charging station for home and office. The final item is the QB. Q-U-B-I-I. It's Q-U-B-I-I. Auto backup while charging. Has nothing to do with your auto. It's definitely a completely innovative device. 30-day money-back guarantee. $50 in the U.S. Auto backup while charging your iPhone. The website is maktar.com. In the U.S., it's us.maktar.com. Simon will find the links for UK and international. This is one of these items I wish it had been available when I got my first iPhone because it is so straightforward. The QB itself is a little white plug that looks almost identical to the white plug that you use to plug into the wall to charge your iPhone. You plug your lightning cable, the USB end, into the QB. Then that goes into the USB port on the AC power plug, the square white one from Apple. Then that goes into the wall. Then you get an SD micro, the really, really small one. Plug that into the QB. Download the free app. Go through a couple of steps that are very obvious. It's a very seamless, easy-to-use app and you will be able to back up your pictures and your contacts onto the micro SD card that then can be put into other devices, or you can put it into an SD card adapter, plug that into an SD card slot, such as on your computer, and you can have access to all of your iPhone pictures on your computer just like that. You don't need to have a Dropbox subscription, don't need to worry about iCloud, photo library if you don't want to. This is completely versatile, amazingly easy, one-trick device that does it very well. I am backing up the updated collection of my photos. Let's see where I'm up to. 
I've got 200 to go, so that'll be a couple of minutes. And again, it comes with a small pamphlet, including a QR code to scan for the QB app. But I got the app right from the App Store just by looking for it. Tells you exactly what you need to do. Very, very straightforward. Once again, we've got a magnetic cable wrangler, which keeps your cable tips in place. We've got a USB AC power unit with a nice long cable and the QB. Those websites, again, are silksmartish.com, rapidx.io, and us.mactar, M-A-K-T-A-R.com. And once again, Simon will find out if there's a different URL for UK and international. So as soon as my backup is done, I'm going to go out and take some more pictures and make sure my cables are secure and I'm charging them using the RapidX. Back next week. Thank you, John. And as ever, all the links will be in the show notes. Uh, And uh, I will just say, of course, uh, don't forget that there is still a 30% discount on uh, Take Control Books, courtesy of uh, Joe Kissel. Um, The link is in the show notes, or you can use the code EssentialApple at checkout. Um, And that's good for 30% off any purchase uh, until the 30th of November. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate that. Okay, right, Donnie. Um, where shall we go? Shall we have a look at some technology stories? Because um, there's quite a lot of security stories, but they get a bit depressing week after week. <laughs> so, um, yeah, shall we, uh, where do you want to kick off? Uh, let's start with the charger, the uh, first totally wireless charger. Okay, yes, let's have a look at that. Um, and that, This is, I note, a Kickstarter rather than a 100% um, available now product. Um, this is the sort of thing, right, um, that I have uh, kind of had in mind for years. Now, um, we know people have talked about this. We know people have demonstrated things. Um, I really like the concept of this. This is really what I've always wanted, um, but it's a Kickstarter, and I have a few doubts about it, I'll be honest. But um, do, do you want to um, sort of read the general gist? No. Sure, I'm actually on the Kickstarter page right now, and it's it's essentially wireless charging without having to put your phone or device on a charger. It happens um, when you're, in this case, within five meters of the, I guess you call it charging base or charging pad. Yeah, they charge it, they refer to so, it as the charge cube, I believe. So um, basically, if you have, I guess if you have your phone in your pocket and you're sitting on your sofa and you have this pad within five meters it would be charging while sitting in your pocket or putting it wherever you don't have to necessarily put it on a charging base. Yeah, that is the, uh, that, that is the general thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I read it here. It said, uh, the NIC charger is set to be the world's first totally wireless charger, which can charge most of the portable devices wirelessly without the need to connect any cable. The company has recently unveiled their prototype and are hopeful that with the right funds from Kickstarter, the company should have a fully functional product in the market very soon. Um, English is obviously not their first language because uh, if I read this statement, you'll um, you'll figure out... Um, We knew that electricity without wires is a concept which a lot of people have been working on for too long. This is the world first truly wireless charger in the world. This will be a game changing in the world of portable devices. As we developed our prototype, we are excited and hopeful that our wireless charger will become the next big thing that shall have everyone talking. Um, 
fair enough. You know, I'm not going to mock him for, um, you know, if English isn't in his first language, um, that's not my problem. Um, experts believe the NIC charge is one of the most attractive concepts of recent times. Uh, okay. Now. Well, I, um, I'm just looking at the Kickstarter page. Okay. And, I'm, um, yeah. They have $2,623 of their 30,000 plus goal with five days to go. So I don't think it's going to. Um... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say my problem. Now I come to my problem with it. Um, the wireless charger consists of two parts. The NIC charging cube, which is uh, commented to a power outlet, according to this page, <laughs> connected. And the NIC charging pad, which can be permanently connected to the portable device. Um, now, there's a picture of the, uh, you know, this charging pad, uh, which looks basically, um, I don't know if you've seen them, you can, if you have a, an older phone which doesn't have uh, Qi charging, you can buy a Qi charging pad, which is just like the size of a credit card, and it has a, an induction coil on it. Um, so, you know, the charging sort of thing for the phone, which they're showing, basically just looks like one of those. It's like a credit card thing with a coil on it and a, a lightning plug on a thin strip the idea usually then is you plug it into the lightning don't you wrap it around the back of the phone and put it inside the case um i've seen chi chargers like that um my biggest problem with this at the moment is the mention of five meters five meters is a long way and um the the, the closest i've seen to any actual you know beamed power um, was the one that I think was at CEX where they were talking about maybe being able to charge a foot away um, and where they were saying like, you know, you could, you know, if that was built into the bottom of your computer monitor or, you know, a, along the base of um, an iMac or, or something, you could keep your mouse and uh, keyboard probably powered because they would be within, you know, a foot probably. Um, I've seen ones where... Um, Similarly, they were talking about if, if a TV was built with, you know, with one in the bottom, it might be able to power your sound bar without you having to, you know, have a load of wires to your sound bar. Um, there was talk of the, you know, the people were talking about the concept of maybe being able to get up to sort of a couple of metres, um, but five metres, that just seems... Now, maybe they've, you know, maybe they've cracked it. Maybe they have done it. I don't know, but... My biggest um, concern with this is it just seems too wonderful for, you know, all of a sudden. People have been struggling with this for years, years and years. You know, uh, power over the air is a sci-fi concept since forever. And how much would we all love to be able to, you know, effectively have our phones or watches or whatever trickle charging just by being in the room? I'd, I'd love that. Brilliant. That is totally the concept I want. But I just... This just seems almost, you know, too good. It sounds too good to be true. And we all know what they say about that, don't we? Well, and I and I seem to remember, I don't know where I heard or read this, but concern over, just health concerns over having wireless charging uh, happening yeah. in, a person, in like your presence or something. Some, I, some, I don't remember the details, but. Well, some people, obviously, um, some people, <laughs> you know, don't, don't like the idea of being um, cooked in you know whatever energy is being beamed around i am personally of the uh opinion that we're all basically soaked in rf you know all the time <laughs> we have been for about the last well ever since the marconi invented the wireless most of us have been you know soaked in rf the air is full of 
RF of all kinds. Um, so I'm, I'm not personally particularly concerned about that. Um, although, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's not a valid concern. Um, they've got they've got videos here. I've gone to their Kickstarter page. Yes, you can see it there. He's got the tag. He's putting it on the back of the right. drone and putting the case over it. Um, it's, yeah, see, there's that picture of him fighting with the power cables. That is me. I hate cables. Sure. I hate cables. I really, really hate cables. I don't care actually if it shortens my life by ten years by being pickled in, <laughs> in by being pickled in electronic radiation. I don't care, right? Just free me from the cables. Um, I think you should call it. That should be the name of the episode. I hate cables. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's. I love the idea. I've loved the idea, the whole concept since you know since I was a kid, um, and ever since I definitely since I you know started having mobile phones and watches and oh. But um, this just seems too good to be true, to be honest, to be springing up on some Kickstarter company. Um, that's, you know, that is my that is my problem with it. Um, Maybe Apple will buy them and, and turn you know, it into something real. Yeah, crazy. if it's, um, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the NIC charging system, shipping will vary from 15 to $25. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, allegedly they, you know, they're, st- you know, look kosher. Um, I don't know. I, I just, look, anybody can make a Kickstarter campaign and make it look really good. But in the end, it's whether the, yeah, can you actually pull it off and go through with it? So, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I love the idea, Donnie. I really do. It's like, if it, please, please be true. Please. Somebody do it, and I'll be the first person signing up to plug all my devices in. But my concern there is that big companies, you know, with a lot of experience in this field, are still only talking about maybe being able to power a mouse, you know, within a foot of a of a of a charging um, transmitter. Look, Apple can't even pull off the uh, their own charging mat. So no. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a bit ambitious themselves there, I, I believe. So, I, I, yeah, okay. Well, that, that's that one. Um, I'm not going to poo-poo it because maybe they've solved it. And if they have, hooray! I will be the happiest man in the world. Um, what else then? Um, the Internet of Terribly Troublesome, Insecure Things, boys. Uh, according to um the New York Times, a future where everything becomes a computer is as creepy as you feared. <laughs> yes, see, I told you so. Waggy finger. <laughs> um. Oh, well, if it were, if it if it deems to load for me, boys. Right. Uh. Okay. Well, it says here. It says I'm reading part of the article. It says um. It talks about how Bill Gates and Paul Allen, Paul Allen, founded Microsoft with the vision of putting a computer on every desk. But now the industry's new goal is to have a computer inside of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, yeah, nobody believed them, so nobody tried to stop them. Before anyone realised it, the deed was done and everyone had a Windows machine. Um, and governments were left scrambling to figure out how to put Microsoft's monopoly back in the bottle. Um, yeah, this sort of thing happens over and over in the tech industry. Audacious founders set their sights on something hilariously out of reach. Mark Zuckerberg wants to connect everyone and the very unlikeliness of their plan insulates them from scrutiny. By the time the rest of us catch up, it's too late to do much about it. And it is happening again now. In recent years, the tech industry's largest powers have set their sights on a new target of digital conquest. Wild conveniences and unimaginable benefits to our health and happiness. 
and there's just one catch which goes unstated. If their novelties take off without any intervention or, or supervision, we could be inviting a nightmarish set of security and privacy vulnerabilities into the world, and no one is doing anything to stop it. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, Amazon showed off a microwave powered by Alexa. Um, Facebook and Google unveiled their own home hub devices that let you watch videos and perform digital tricks by voice. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> the Facebook portal. Oh, yes, I, I must have one of those. Not. Yeah, right. I can't I can't wait to not order one of those. I don't have an Alexa. I do not have a... I don't no, either. I don't have any of those things. I am a Facebook refusenik. Um, I think I, the other day I saw a commercial. I think it was for a Samsung refrigerator. Right. And the about half of the door, it looked like a giant iPhone. And it had the display and the apps and everything. I'm like, why do you need that? Like, <laughs> what? Uh, okay. So the, the New York uh, thing, it goes here. Um, right. I'm not pessimistic generally, but it's hard not to be, said Bruce Schneier. I think, a security consultant who explores the threats posed by the Internet of Things in his new book, Click Here to Kill Everybody. Um, well, and then, it, and then it goes on some more. It's quite a long article. Uh, it was a, quite a good read, actually. Um, for example, the FBI had to warn parents last year about the dangers of smart toys. Um, you know, just because they're not secured, are they? California obviously introduced a law to um, try and make them a, a bit more secure. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I kind of agree with this. Really, um, not everything. You know, making everything smarter is not necessarily a smart thing to do. Uh, here we go: cars, door locks, contact lenses, clothes, toasters, refrigerators, robots, fish tanks, sex toys, light bulbs, toothbrushes, motorcycle helmets, all on the menu to get smart. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Most of those I think I'd pass on, to be honest. Um, there we are. Uh, I can see the motorcycle helmet. Uh, well, I don't know. Depends about what smartness does a motorcycle helmet need. Is it going to tell you how hard you hit the floor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more like heads up this display. Yeah, in the... yeah, 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 joking aside. Um, the, you know, some, some things, uh, you know, can I can be improved with with smart technology um and actually if you read it he's not saying that smart technology is in and of itself a bad thing um what they're all on about um you know sort of crossing over into the security field isn't it is is that most of these things are just so poorly secured if at all you know and everything that you connect to your network which is smart but is you know is another is another another attack vector it's another way in um do you really want, you know, to have your bank account emptied because somebody hacked your fridge? Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, no, um, I'm quite capable of opening my fridge and seeing if I need milk, to be honest. I don't, I don't need my fridge to tell me to order milk. There we are. Um, now, if your fridge could make the milk <laughs> for you and yeah. you don't have to go to the store, that'd be another story. Yeah. I mean, but then we're getting to the Star Trek and everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people have always touted the thing of, for example, you know, your fridge can, yeah, you know, your fridge could see that you're about to run out of milk or your milk is about to go out of date. And it could say, you know, throw this milk away. I have ordered more milk, you know, from Amazon fresh delivery or whatever, and it will be arriving at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. That's all. But, you know, really, are we really so feeble that we can't manage these things? Uh. <laughs> Um, Pocket. Pocket plans to turn your never-ending news reading list into a podcast. Um, 
I, I, was this, did Matt Jim post this originally? I can't remember. I don't know. Um, right, yeah, if you haven't noticed, uh, basically Pocket, who are um, a save and read for later uh, service, similar to uh, Insta Paper, is it? Um, now, I know that Mac Jim changed over to Pocket because Insta Paper um, stopped supporting the EU. Um, and I, I think he's uh, been quite happy with Pocket. And uh, as he said, uh, Insta Paper shot themselves in the foot there. Um, Pocket was previously known as Read It Later. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, right. Uh, aesthetically, Pocket has refreshed its layout to make it less cluttered and more tuned to the reader's interest based on what they have saved. Um, uh, it includes they have new dark and sepia themes and updated fonts. Okay. Um, for mobile users on iOS and Android, Pocket have added a more human-sounding voice with the ability to play through a reading list hands-free. Um, users can access the feature by tapping a new listen icon in the top left corner. Um, okay. Describing the new vocal reading list as your own personal podcast. Um, our lives didn't always have a quiet moment with a coffee cup in hand, uh, with pocket in the other. (coughs) Excuse me. We have work to do, kids to take care of, schools to attend. Our new listen feature frees the content you've saved to fit into your busy life. It enables you to absorb articles whenever and wherever whether driving, walking, working out, cooking, or on the train. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I know, um, for example, you can get Siri to read articles to you, um, and so on and so forth. Um, but I believe, uh, not in this Fortune article, but somewhere else, uh, they were talking about how they've, uh, they've tuned the voice for Pocket's uh, reading feature to be more human, um, to pause, uh, to understand punctuation better, and so on. Um, I haven't tried it, but um, I might give it a go. Might be worth a worth a try. But um, interesting and ambitious, I guess. Um, well, they, it's nice to see there. I mean, I use Pocket all the time just to save articles that I might use in teaching, like projects and stuff I might do. But I'm always worried that Pocket's going to disappear because I have so many items in that list. But it's nice to see that they're moving it forward and trying to grow, I guess, with the... Um, yeah, what did I just see? What's there? happening around? Uh, okay. Um, I just saw something in here. Um, oh, pocket. Uh, okay. Here, this this will probably cheer you up, then, Donny. Following a previous flirtation with the now beleaguered note-taking app Evernote, Pocket was acquired by Mozilla in February 2017. Um, uh, and obviously, if it belongs to Mozilla, there's a good chance it will be going uh for a long time to come because. Mozilla tend not to drop projects um, on the whole. Um, And talking of Mozilla, um, I will just mention, um, if you're a Thunderbird user, uh, which I am, uh, Thunderbird uh, 60.2.1 was released um, with a load of, I believe, a load of security enhancements. Um, But I noticed for some reason my, uh, I had version 59 um, and normally Thunderbird, it it will self-update. Um, it will just tell you that there's a, an update available and, you know, just click here. Um, and it didn't. I noticed the um, announcement of version 60. Uh, I don't know where, Twitter or, you know, an RSS feed or something. Um, and I had to download it manually and install it. Uh, so if you are a Thunderbird user, uh, check your version number um, and you may need to manually download the latest version. Um, you can tell, by the way, if you've got the new version because it's got a new icon um, and a new, you know, flatter, uh, more modern version of the Thunderbird rather than the 
the older, um, sort of more realistic uh, rendering of 3D rendering of a bird. There we are. Um, yeah, so Pocket belongs to Mozilla. That's good. So you're fairly safe there, Donnie. For now. For now. Well, as I say, um, probably forever, as long as they don't decide to sell it off. Um, what else have we got? Um, well, I suppose we should mention um, our friends at uh, Skylum, Luminar, um, have uh, a new announced a new unique feature for uh, Luminar, a surprise update and a whole load more. Um, that's on their blog. Um, they've also said that the um, libraries with digital asset management for Luminar will be coming, um, I believe Alex said, in November. Um, and uh, Alex has said that he will come on the show, by the way, in uh, at the start of December and tell us all about the, um, the new apps. Uh, a few weeks ago, we revealed a few key details about upcoming Luminar libraries. Um, a big part of our plan is to make all the new features available for free to all Luminar 2018 users and not to force you to buy an upgrade or extend your subscription. Um, and the surprise new feature is the AI Lab uh, team have been working on um, a tool to automate um, sky enhancements. Um, and if you go to uh, the blog, the Skyland blog, they've got some of their classic, uh, you know, slidey tool toys that they show you the before and after where you can slide the slider across the picture. Um, so, yes, that's very good. And um, unfortunately, this podcast probably won't go out before it ends. But they are uh, there's also an offer on um, from uh, what was it five day deals dot com, I think. Uh, they are offering a complete photography bundle which contains uh, Luminar, Photo Lima, Lima and uh, 35 other photo tools uh, and it's 97% off. I think it's, uh, I think it's $90 um, reduced from a list price of $2,500. So, uh, but it's only, it's only on for another two days. So I'll have to try and get this show out super pronto when I, there. Um, what else? Uh, we've got a couple of Microsoft stories here, actually. Um, of course, uh, Microsoft uh, had that uh, unfortunate bug in their uh, autumn update, which they had to pull. Where it was uh, deleting people's uh, document folder. Very, very bad indeed. Um, we have Forbes here. How Microsoft plans to avoid nasty Windows 10 update bugs in the future. Um, and what this basically boils down to is... Yes, the Windows insiders had been pointing out to Microsoft for some time that there was a problem with its update and it would uh, had a tendency to, to delete people's data. Um, but uh, somehow or other, nobody was paying much attention. Um, so now, when you send a uh, a problem report uh, to Microsoft as a you know Windows insider, you are allowed. To, you're going to be able to rate it as you know from mild to severe in importance, and hopefully this will make the people at uh, you know Microsoft pay attention. <laughs> um, not quite sure how that's you know not happened. That's not great, is it? That's not that doesn't insp inspire a great uh, deal of uh, faith. You know, if someone's reading these bugs coming, and you think they would have someone would have flagged it as being maybe something we should look at. Yeah, you know. Um, all right, uh, great. So now if you report a problem to Microsoft uh, as an insider, you'll be able to flag it as a severe problem. But uh, um, I c yeah, I kind of can't understand how if you've got a, a beta feedback program and somebody people are sending in reports saying it deleted my 
uh, data folder that you know nobody picked up on that and then yeah, they allowed that, it to go out that's a biggie and they let it go out the door um yeah not not good um on uh you know right from brickbats to um plaudits as it were Microsoft has joined the Open Invention Network to help protect Linux and open source. Um, this was on the Microsoft Azure blog. Um, yeah, what a change from a few years ago, hey? Um, the corporate vice president and deputy general counsel, uh, Eric Anderson, or Eric, I suppose, um, Anderson, I'm pleased to announce that Microsoft is joining the Open Invention Network, a community dedicated to protecting Linux and other open source products from patent risks. Um, we know the decision to join may be viewed as surprising to some, and it is no secret there has been friction in the past between Microsoft and the open, soft, open source community. Uh, well, let's put it mildly, isn't it? Didn't, um, didn't Steve Ballmer refer to Linux and the open source community as a cancer, um, and that he was going to destroy them? Um, there we go. So, oh, how things have changed. Um, there we go. Uh, as we join OIN, we believe Microsoft will be able to do more than ever to help protect Linux and other op important open source workloads from patent assertions. We bring a valuable and deep portfolio of 60,000 issued patents, and we hope our decision to join will attract many other companies to join OIN as well making the licensed network stronger for the benefit of open source community. Um, yeah, quite uh, interesting, really, that over the last few years, Microsoft have actually become quite big players in the open source um, field. I don't think many people are aware just how much um, Microsoft actually contribute to open source. But there we go. That's a slightly surprising story for many, I think. Um, here we are. Oh, uh, this isn't really much of one, I'll be honest. but. Um, Wi-Fi has switched from obscure protocol names to simple generation numbers. Uh, and this was from Titbits. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but um, basically you forget, you know, 802.11ax um, or N or AC or ACFX or anything else. Um, the current standard, which is, you know, uh, 802.11ac will become Wi-Fi 5. Uh, the next standard, which is going to be uh, 802.11ax, will be renamed Wi-Fi 6. Um, this change is purely cosmetic and will not affect the certification process or the industry standard group's work. The Wi-Fi allowance wants operating system interfaces to modify their strength indicators to incorpor incorporate a generational number, which will show the active connection type. Um, it's not a bad thing. I mean, no. it, I guess, I mean... Most people, Joe Public, you know, they don't know what's in their house anyway. They need a new router. They'll go by the latest one. But if you know enough to say, okay, six is newer than five. Yeah. Um, here we go. What did they basically say? Um, in the early days of 802.11a and 802.11b, which were both approved in 1999, uh, the standards included the combination of wireless encoding, um, security and network interactions. Um, the Wi-Fi allowance has mostly focused on the standards which relate to improvements in bandwidth, um, 11G, 11N, 11AC and 11AX. Um, if, they, if they started with A and went to B, they just would have gone down the alphabet. They wouldn't have had done this, had to do this in the to start with. No, I know they went. You know what? They went A, B, G, N. I don't know how these things would generate. Why didn't they just go A, B, C, D, E, F? I don't right. know. Exactly. They have twenty six. Uh, they would have had twenty six generations. generations, and then they could have gone A, 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 B, A, C, right, or whatever. 
um, or, you know, AABB, whatever. Um, Could have avoided this whole mess to begin with. Yep. Anyway, so now they're going it's like to like Apple be... with XR and XS and yeah, they're going to they're going to be renamed, uh, well, with generational numbers. So there we go. Um, and as the guy says here, you know, I will be able to say, um, next time somebody asks me what a Wi-Fi router they should buy, I will look forward to be able to say, look for Wi-Fi six on the box. There we go. So yeah, that's probably a sensible, uh, a sensible move. Um, I wonder how long it's going to take for boxes to even switch over i bet you it'll take at least a year for i mean companies have to reprint and oh yeah but i mean i guess it if if that um you know if that kind of starts to take hold what you'll normally find isn't it is that manufacturers or or um even sometimes retailers will find it in their uh you know to their advantage to simply produce a sticker right slap a sticker on it stick it you know slap a sticker on it saying wi-fi six um, they might not bother with older machines, but as you know, AX starts to roll out, they probably, you know, either slap a sticker on it saying Wi-Fi six, or you know, newer as newer products come out, name it Wi-Fi six. There's another show name. Slap a sticker on it. <laughs> slap a sticker on it. Uh, yes, Apple's competitors are increasingly building hardware to lock users into software. Um, this was from John Martellaro over at the Mac Observer, um, and he's talking here, uh, well, uh, about very much how, you know, Google and uh, Microsoft and other, you know, Amazon to some extent are creating their own hardware as a way to lock people into their uh, into their ecosystem. Um in fact, some ways I, I'm surprised that more companies haven't, you know, Microsoft didn't do that years ago. Um, it took them a long time, apparently, to twig that the best way to get the best out of Windows was to build their own hardware. Um, there we are. Right. Uh, we've been going for quite a while, Donnie. So um, should we talk about my quick uh, Amazon PSA? Yes. Let's talk about your Amazon and then we'll just skim over a few others, I think, and then we'll call it a day. So, so um, sometime last week. I woke up in the morning and at 2 a.m. I had an email from Amazon saying, here's your code. The, um, the, um, oh, geez, my brain's drawn a blank. What yeah, the two FA, two factor yeah, authenticator. Two factor, um, code to get into your account. And I was asleep at 2 a.m. in the, in the morning. And, uh, so I kind of thought of someone's trying to break into my account or trying to make a purchase. And thankfully I had two factor turned on or else someone probably could have gotten to my account and started spending and buying like crazy. So uh, if you don't have two-factor turned on for Amazon or iCloud or forever where it's uh, available, I highly suggest it because it saved me a huge headache. And I... Yep, yep. Two-factor authentication is very, very good, and you should use it wherever you can. Um, there are people who uh, are suggesting, and probably rightly, that SMS is in fact not the best uh, route to go for two-factor authentication because the SMS system itself is not secure. Um, but it's better than nothing. Any two-factor authentication is better than nothing. Um, if you, you know, if you don't want to rely on, um, if you don't want to rely on SMS, uh, obviously there are uh, apps, uh, apps out there, authenticator type apps. Uh, there's the Google Authenticator. Um, Microsoft do an authenticator. Uh, there's um, another one, uh, Authly, I think it's called, you can use. Uh, those are the things that where you basically you enter your key and that that, um, that encrypted key is used to generate numbers every 30 seconds. 
Are you familiar with those, Donny? No, I haven't heard of that. Okay, well, they they work by, um, you know, when you set them up, you uh, create an account and enter your details. And that's used to generate a key. And then that key uh, is, is a seed to generate um, usually a six-digit number, like every 30 seconds or so. Um, and so if you, for example, if I want to log into my Microsoft account on a machine where it's not already authenticated, it will, you know, say enter your login and you log in and then um, it will, uh, if it's somewhere I've not logged in before, it will, it will say, you know, you need to do, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you yeah. will need to do the two-factor authentication. And then it will say, like, we can send a number by text to, you know, your phone number or you can use the Microsoft Authenticator or, you know. Okay. Um, and what you do then is you open the app and it will show you a number and you type that number in. You've got like 30 seconds to do it. Um, you know, the number will usually go red or start flashing as it's about to expire. You, you enter that number and that, um, you know, that is the uh, verified and then you're in. Um, those those can be quite good. And of course, uh, if you're if you're more paranoid than that, then you should be looking at a UB key or another hardware authenticator key. Um, but yes, use two factor everywhere you can, really. Um, very much so, Donny. Very much so indeed. Um what else? Uh just to skim over a few of these. Uh oh, in in um relationship that to some extent uh, one password for mac disables auto submit feature as mac os mojave boosts security um this is not a bad story it sounds on the surface at first like um you know oh they're, they're doing you know taking away a feature but uh, one password has disabled auto submission of passwords uh the company says the move has been forced on it by increased security measures in mac uh, os mojave but it agrees with the decision apple has taken earlier versions of one password could submit login details fully automatically so you could be briefly presented with a login screen on a website and logged in without doing anything. This is because one password would enter your password and transmit a carriage return. Um, Mac OS Mojave has replaced has placed significant restrictions on the ability of apps to virtually press the return key. Quite right. Uh, meaning one password can no longer do this. Reflecting, one password has removed the auto submission feature on all versions of Mac OS. Um, one password will automatically leave focus on the password field. There is no need to click the submit button. Just press the enter key and you're all set. Um, along with the command backslash fill keyboard shortcut, it works well. So there we go. Um, when one password automatically submits a password, it has no way of knowing whether it is filling in a password on a legitimate field or something created by a nefarious website. If a password is automatically submitted, users are not given the opportunity to say no to submitting the form. We feel that removing the ability to automatically submit passwords is the right thing to do and protect a user's experience, but also their security. Um, I will be fully transparent. It's taken some getting used to, but now that it's part of my workflow, I don't miss it. So there we go. I've been using 1Password for years, didn't even know that was a feature, so. <laughs> no, I should think, you probably have to turn it on, I would have thought. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised that 1Password even actually ever had such a feature. I would have thought that they would consider that to be unsafe. But anyway, Apple have considered it to be an unsafe practice, and now uh, 1Password have removed it. So good, good for them. Good for them. Um, that's good news for everybody who uses 1Password, I'm sure. Um, right, uh, well, Andy Yen was on his soapbox again. Um, weakened encryption will only leave us all less secure. Um, there's a link to that. That was in uh, the CPO magazine. 
I totally agree with pretty much everything Andy Yen says. So uh, there we go. Um, Apple um, and various others, uh, Apple and uh, Amazon, I believe, and probably Google and various others, of course, are engaged in lobbying um, Australia over their uh, proposed um, anti... Well, it's not actually an anti-encryption bill, but it actually is, as it were. Um, <clears throat> so, Apple to Australia, this is no time to weaken encryption. Uh, Apple has rebuked Australia's dangerously ambiguous uh, anti-encryption bill, and Apple fires back at the Australian encryption bill. Uh, all, all three articles there. Um, and Brian Krebs on security. Uh, the supplies chain, this of course really relates to the uh, Bloomberg thing. Um, supply chain security is the whole enchilada, but who is going to pay for it? Uh, that was a, uh, quite an interesting read. Uh, and as he says, um, from time to time, there emerge cybersecurity stories of such potential impact that they have an, the effect of making all other security concerns seem minuscule and trifling by comparison. Uh, and then, of course, he's talking about the Bloomberg. Um, as he says, everybody has categorically denied the claims in uh, the Bloomberg piece. Um, Bloomberg, of course, I uh, brought out another story um, pointing the finger at Supermicro. Um, but uh, as yet again, uh, everybody involved in that story has either denied it. Uh, the um, the security um, the security researcher who uh, was quoted has actually said he's unhappy with what the way they've portrayed what he said, um, saying that you know what he said wasn't how they you know how he they have portrayed it. Um, there's a whole load of links. We haven't got to them, and the Bloomberg story's got a bit tired now. But um, I've put a whole load of links in the, in the show notes about where that's gone. Uh, security researcher named in uh, the China spy chip story voices his doubts. Um, the name source from the big hack has doubts about the story. Um, that was a, an interview with him on Risky Business. Um, new evidence of hacked supermicro hardware found in US telecom. Um, that was a Bloomberg story. But then Yossi Appleboom, who was, uh, or Baum, I don't know, uh, disagrees with how Bloomberg positioned his research on uh, Supermicro, um, and the NSA has de denied all the spy chip claims, and the FBI says it's not allowed to make any comment. <laughs> um, there we go. Well, Donnie, I, I think we've pretty much done everything, haven't we? We've been going for quite a long time, so I think we just uh, call it a day, really. Um, Sounds good. Right. Well, this is where, of course, you get to uh, tout all your books, stickers, um and all the yes. other goodness that you do. I did see, I did notice that you're having a sale over on designbundles.net. Yeah, my, I, I'm still uh, filling the store, but the few items, most of the items that are there are on sale for about 30% off. I, it, yeah. It, I looked at the, the prices and they're not really, it's, it's a weird amount, but it's around 30% off, but it's through the end of this week, which would be... October 20th, I think I set the date for. Okay. So, so um, I might extend that depending on when this episode comes out. So I might put another one for another week up, but it's about 30% off everything in the store or almost everything. So I just added something yesterday that's not included in the sale. Okie dokie. Um, and of course, you have you have books in the iBook store and... Um, right. And yeah. I message stickers. I have a whole new series of uh, Halloween, Christmas, yep. Thanksgiving, Halloween, uh, Hanukkah stickers. Awesome. And uh, more to come. Excellent. Okay. Um, 
So uh, you can be found on uh, designbundles.net where you are scribbly. Right. Um, and that's S-K-R-B-L-Y. Yeah. And um, in the App Store, what's the best way just, to find you? Just look up my name. Right. So that's Donnie and on Yankler. Twitter, the R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R. Very good. Okay. Um, Links to everything at hedgehogalley.com. Sorry. Oh, yes. Hedgehogalley.com. Indeed. Uh, right. I, of course, am on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, the show occasionally puts out tweets uh, as Essential Apple, and all our stuff is over at EssentialApple.com. Um, well, Donnie, I think that's it. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week where... Um, I believe we have uh, a special guest, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, right, time to go, I think. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast, and I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show, uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hello and good evening. This is Gads for the MyMac Podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality downloadable audio content, and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, old bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the MyMac Podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact... We restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... <sighs> Guy, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? then you should listen to the MyMac.com podcast. At least three good chuckles per segment. If my math is right, that's about ten laughs per show. Right. Because three times three is ten. Sometimes I really wonder about you, Guy. No need to wonder where to find the podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for MyMac. Subscribe and jump into the fun. You know, we're part of the Stoplight Network, and there are a lot of important people there. Well, we did say we hardly know anyone important. 
Though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the was, and I could have sworn we made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. Yeah, that would explain why he was doubled over at the time. The MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it over a copper. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.